death has it lost its meaning? <laughs> um, no, like, before we even get into the topic, there, this is technically the season one finale of Control Chaos Podcast, because if you didn't know... Uh, these go out on all of your podcast providers, like Google. Google has one, like Google Podcasts. I actually use that one at work quite a bit because I can make a playlist of all of the shit that I want to listen to. The, the Spotify, anything the Anchor has provided out to other than Apple Podcasts. Because that one, you have to pay a fee to be on. And that's annoying. This is a season one finale, and there's a reason why it's a season one finale, and it's because I take, like, a hiatus around this time of year just to decompress around the holidays and kind of be surrounded by the ones that I love, yada yada sappy shit, but also because this is, like, a very difficult time for me personally because I lost a lot of people that were really close to me around the holidays, so this is kind of like my mental vacation. Um, so any and all like control chaos or chaos squared or control chaos studios stuff, all three channels, plug them right there at the beginning, get it out of the way, be less annoying. All of that will be kind of anything that comes out after today as of like 11, 2022. Hello from the future. If you're watching this, uh, but anything that comes out after this, is just going to be like pre-recorded up until around the week of New Year's Eve. Because I don't really know what all is still going to filter out. I have a couple of things I've been working on on the sides so that will go out on other channels. Just so you're aware. And any issues in the Discord or any ideas, topics you want to plug in the comments or DM to the channel Twitter can be answered, you know by either Luke or Red or whoever is running the socials while I take my little digital detox. <clears throat> but we're we're talking about death and how it's kind of lost its meaning potentially in anime and manga. I know the one that you want to get to, Luke, is the one that just got animated here recently, so I'll let you start. Yeah, so this was kind of my um my day from um just the thought that i had way uh like a, i i think it was a year i think it was a year ago when the um when the actual war in my hero ended um and um you you guys obviously uploaded a video of like this were um this was the worst war in anime and manga and actually um, that uh, I, I could be I could be mistaken, so don't uh, so until Vex corrects me, I'm just gonna say it. But yeah, um it was mainly um what Red said in that video about Crust's death, the shield the shield hero. No relation to now uh, uh, that was a bit of a racist voice there, but just go with it. No relation to Naofumi from Rising of the Shield Hero. Uh, but yeah, um how his death and um yeah, and Red was joking about joking about it, like he was the he was he was the one who did so much in the series. Like how how many chapters was he in? And uh, and yeah, it was like the bare minimum. And I was just thinking, like when the anime comes out, people are going to be like crying over it, crying over his death. And sure enough, the amount of people that I have seen reacted to the episode when it happened uh, that are, that are legitimate that were legitimately upset with Chris's death. I was just there, scratch my head, thinking like. 
what did Crust actually do in the series aside from save uh, Aizawa and just battle Nomu, which is basically what everyone else in the series does? It was roughly a year ago. I think it was baked into one of the, the early uh, return podcasts. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but that's beside that's 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 the uh, that's the point I wanted to get over here. It's just like really what did Crust actually do? And I actually messaged on Twitter. I didn't didn't like complain about it. I I was just I just said to one of the one of the reaction channels like, oh, I, I, when when your co-host was uh, crying over Chris Dev calling him the true number one hero, I was just there uh, scratch my head. What uh, what what did he actually do? And they were very civil about it. To to be fair on their part, they they weren't they weren't arsehole-y about me saying like. Oh, screw you, blah blah blah, or that, or like some other reaction channels that me and Vex have had um, contact with in the past. Oh but, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's all, not dive into that. Let's not dive into that. But you know what? I know yeah, one of like, them actually watches us now because they DM me. Really? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, oh, and I... they, they 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 were really civil about it, but um, they're like, yeah, I I like watching stuff because it was directed from Chainsaw Man. Oh okay. Um, and then they were trying to see if like they should pick it up. I'm like, yeah, if you like that darker, um, like style of um, like combat anime, because that's what they're really into. Like, I, oh, okay. I recommended like the uh, checking out. Like, I I know it's counter to the point of the story, but I said if you if you want to actually get a gauge for like how Fujimoto can draw combat look to the uh, Bomb Devil arc and look to specifically, like, the absurdities of the the Typhoon Devil bit of it where you had Beam riding. <laughs> uh, it's called Sharknado. <laughs> yeah, that Sharknado. Yeah. Like, but... that chapter in particular. Like, that the choreography of that. And they were just blown away. And they're like, yeah, we might actually get into picking that up now. Uh, they were going to start with the the anime and kind of see if they like the early stuff first. I'm, and arguably, that's a perfect entry for them. You know, the anime is essentially one to one with a few little tweaks here and there. Yeah, um, let's just not mention Saitama versus Popeye. <laughs> no, it's not, uh, <laughs> why is that a thing? Uh, uh, people wanted it, and um, those particular guys that Fix is referring to. Got really pissy. Got really pissy about it, saying, calling like, "Oh, um, um, Saitama blowing um uh, Uranus over four four times. That that's perfectly acceptable. But Popeye being able to um shower star or something like that. That's totally unbelievable. Yeah, it was something like that. But um, (laughs) there's one death that I I really found funny. It was I'm I'm not quote-unquote on Twitter, but I'm on Twitter, right? I, I've got my account set to private. I was looking through, trying to find a, um, a, like, new wallpaper. And I was talking to you guys about it for a second before the podcast, but I didn't want to really tell you what it was. Um, there's a meme going around. It's not a real death, but I found it so funny that the, you know how fanboys get whenever there's a, something new going on and it's been going on for years now because i know you want to bring one up from this series anyway so um there's a meme going around of like naruto pulling sasuke out of i think it was like one of the 
I know fuck all about Boruto because I haven't bothered to consume it. But it's, I think it was an Otsutsuki pod. And he's just pour, pulling Sasuke out of it. Like, Boruto wasn't real. It's okay, Sasuke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just sitting here dying. I'm like, I get it. You don't like Boruto. I get it. I I don't think it should have existed either. But I'm not going to sit here <laughs> and <laughs> go to the... They literally drew this masterful artwork of him being pulled out of this pod just to shit on this series. Imagine having so little of life to do that. I, I just couldn't wrap my head around him. It was so funny at the same time. I'm essentially cringe laughing, you would call it, at it. I'm going to see if I can find it while you talk about Karama. Yeah, so just to give context, this isn't what uh, this isn't um, something I I picked. Uh, this was from one of the people in the Discord server, One Smart. Um, well, uh, well, I, I imagine. Well, I imagine. Um, well, no, they didn't. They didn't say. They didn't say this to me, but I imagine they probably would want to bring this up. But yeah, Karama, um, or have you pronounce his name, the Nine Tail Fox, and. His death recently yeah, in... said the name right. Oh, right. And his death recently in, Bor- in Boruto. Now, um, eventually we are going to be, um, after we do the whole um, Power Rangers um, retrospective, um, I'm going to be um, diving for the first time into Naruto. So yeah, that is and mod stuff, by the way. Okay, so that'll be an experience for me to find out exactly if um, all the um, criticism is justified about the um, about the um, or the um, uh, fourth great ninja war. My my best friend is actually sitting down with her husband right now and going through all of Naruto because he had never watched past like the tuning exam, I believe, is what she told me. It, it, it's it has been. <laughs> It has been, and just to go through all of that, it has been since my car wreck. Just to get to that arc. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because not only, and this is a criticism I have of everything in its existence since streaming has started. You cannot find hardly ever, unless it's all on one platform, you are going from platform to platform to platform to try and find it dubbed. It is so fucking annoying to find an entire series dubbed unless it is all exclusively on one platform now. <clears throat> so back in the day, you had all the Power Rangers on Netflix. Which they really need to bring back now since Power, since Power Rangers is exclusively going to be on Netflix. Right. There shouldn't I, be I, there shouldn't be even that much issue for them to do so at this point. Mm-hmm. But like to watch up to that, it has taken three fucking providers. It's been three platforms. It is so annoying. I looked because um, I was trying to figure out like where the hell Bleach went. Right, this was before it was announced that it was going to you know quote unquote the Disney verse. Now it's all on fucking Hulu. Like, but I was looking, because I was going back through um, a, re- a reread. But I was looking for a thumbnail <coughs> for something. 
and I wanted it animated. And it I wanted, like, the beginning of the Fulbright arc for a thumbnail. Instead of, like, having to go through and just scour the internet, I'm like, I could, I'm sure I can go on fucking Netflix, take a screen grab. Nope, not on Netflix anymore. Nope. And I ended up succumbing to going to a fucking pirate site at that time. Because I'm, like, I'm not going through every goddamn app on my phone or my, going through every website. I come to find out it's all on Hulu now. I could just logged into Hulu and just been like, eh, let me, uh, it should be around this episode. <laughs> I could have also Googled it, but I was scrolling through this pirated website trying. <laughs> it's so annoying. Um, but that leads me to one of mine that I really, I feel like is overshadowed since we're talking Power Rangers too. And it, it was unfortunately brought by, like, real-life events, and it was Kendrick's death. Um, it was the yeah. first on-screen death of a Power Ranger. Yeah, and it's like, when you, when you um, see that, like, um, I think, uh, think uh, Linkara in his History of Power just put it best, like, he was like, I'm tired of all this false drama. Everyone turns out to get out of there. We all know what's going to happen. She's going to destroy the sword. We're going to talk about friendship. And then it just, and then he sees it. He's like, oh, didn't call that. Mm-hmm. Watching that as a kid fucking traumatized me. Sorry, I'm also eating because I have had like four hours sleep in the last two days because I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, fully accepting that. Fully accepting that. So why I took a nap before I did this. I had my last uh, occupational therapy appointment today. I am up to 75% on rehabbing my arm. But in an American, just an American tradition, they are no longer going to pay for my uh, my therapy because the, the progress is so, like, minute that the insurance is, like, that's not, it's not cost-worthy. And when they told me the price of paying for it out of pocket, which was three thousand fucking dollars per appointment, I said, "No, nope, I'm good. Just give me a bunch of exercise. So I can work it into my routine at home. I'm not paying three grand to sit here for an hour." <laughs> America, Seriously? American healthcare. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But seeing that as a kid traumatized me, and I I didn't really grasp at the time. Because I was like five when it aired, right? Like, what was going on? You know, I knew Kendrick's was gone, but I didn't really, like, kind of grasp it. And you can joke all day about Power Rangers being, you know, four kids. But the message of death and, like, the fact that not everybody is going to be here forever or be part of your journey, in the case of the Power Rangers, is a very dark message to be aiming at uh, a, arguably, like, a group demographic of, like, 6 to 12, you know, or whatever you want to group. It's TVY7 at the end of the day uh, yeah. here in America. There's a very dark message to bake into that, and I it was a powerful message. And then you look to stuff like Crust today and, you know, these – it's still the same demographic, but it seems to have less weight because in a cast of what is my hero at, like 200 it's, characters? It, it's something it, – it's on Bleach's level of, um, of like, 
characters because you've got like all the heroes in class 1a class 1b you've got some in the The support class the teachers the heroes the league of villains but like when you get right now like even in bleach like they did it better like because they had an entire arc like (laughs) themed around them before they you know do something else like you got to know them at least a little bit yeah yeah, get attached to them Right. Yeah, you got to know like the most um the most prominent ones that mm-hmm. the ones that you're gonna stick around with. And even now, like with the um Thousand with the Thousand Year Blood War Academy, um um to Kubo's credit, he, uh, like it's very obvious that he is heavily involved because it's like we right. got we got more stuff like we've got more stuff with um Chojo and Sasakibe, um, then in the manga, like we got to finally see what his actual Bonkai actually does, right? Um, that, that in the flashback, it, that makes everything even better. Like when the author is yeah. directly involved in the project, like Fujimoto being involved in the the anime, right? That made the anime even better. I, I still think that the fact that they cut out the union job joke, you know, kind of cringe, but that also could be chalked up to translation, you know. Uh, I we don't really know what the original source material is because none of us read fucking Japanese. Um, let's just skip past that. Like it was a biz translate. I I have seen that phrase typed out so many times at this point, especially after our bonus episode, that I never want to see that phrase again. <laughs> yeah, and I never want to hear from people who are in denial when they say the author is involved. Just because it's not the way they envision the mm-hmm. author's art style. I hate that. I hate that 100%. But, no, like, I, I found that Kendrick's death was a great way to handle it. And now, having this project before us, right, of going through every Power Rangers series ever, that is even more weighty now. And we'll, we'll get to it at the beginning of uh, the Mighty Morphin episode. Because we have the death of actually Jason David Frank a couple days ago. So that yeah. there's even more weight behind that project now, regardless of how some of us personally feel about him as a ranger in later years. Like it is he is one of the most influential rangers of all time. If arguably if not the most influential. He is yeah. their primary uh merchandise sale, he is their like their go to guy up until his retirement uh this year and nobody really took that retirement seriously they knew he'd eventually come back you know when he's done making his he was done making his fanfic movie and i'm going to call it what it is it's a fucking fanfic movie um because it is literally like the fact that he could not get the rights to make a power rangers uh dark gritty power rangers uh movie on his own but having that wrapped up, you would assume that he would eventually come back in some capacity because he's addicted to the cast, addicted to the crew, addicted to that franchise. But there's a lot more weight behind that now. And I would be remiss to say that like that there, like the degree with evil um, onto like white light, like, the loss of his powers was a death of it in of itself. Like, you have this 
you have found purpose, right? And that, and being a ranger, and having the camaraderie, and then having it all taken away from you at the end of, you know, the candle saga. And then being brought back into it and being able to kind of rejoin the team. Like, that little reprieve in there, that was essentially like the death of the character until it was like, bring Tommy back, bring Tommy back. And they had to, you know, shoehorn the Kiva Ranger footage into it. <laughs> but, so yeah. That costume to this day is like S tier. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, like, like you said, Bex, regardless of how we feel about him in late in later seasons, like he, what he, um, um, it was the Tommy Oliver show featuring the Power Rangers for a oh, while. Yeah. Hopefully, what? Um, and it, the the Ninja Steel, uh, or Ninja, Ninja, yeah, Ninja Steel, right? Yeah, Ninja Steel. Uh, yeah, was the Jack off Tommy for thirty three minutes. Episode. Yeah, which which I was like, okay, this is this is too much. Like, I would have honestly preferred if that um, if Tommy wasn't a part of that, and it was just basically Wes in command. I'd, 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 I'm only saying that as a bias because Wes is my favorite Red Ranger. You know, I, I don't even care about that. Like, it was a perfect send-off for the Tommy Oliver character, if, if that was truly the end, you know? It, it, yeah. it encapsulated every bit of his character and what it, he what he stood for as a Ranger. And that was a beautiful send-off. It did not need to just be basically him for footage, though. There, there was an entire team there. That, that was my biggest gripe about that. Like, it, it focused way too much on him and less on the team. Yeah, that's why I like, um, like, like Dino Thunder because it was just mostly like, yeah, he was like, he took the mentorship role. He had power, but he was always in the the back seat. He was mm-hmm. there. Just in case they needed him, most a lot of the time he wasn't there from mm-hmm. one case or another, and so the characters could like grow on their own. They had him, they, like they had them there was like whenever they needed him, but he wasn't there too much. Yeah, I'm sure we'll touch on a lot of this as we move on through that, that yeah, series but, as well. But yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about deaths more and for me I'm gonna talk about one of my favorite series, uh One Piece and their issue with fake yep. out deaths. Yes, I was waiting for that because that's exactly what I said to um what what I said to Fex is like one of my issues with One Piece. Um mm-hmm. now when One Piece does death really well, it does it does it it does it spe- spectacularly like the like the death of Ace is one of the most shocking, impactful scenes in One Piece. I don't think anyone will deny that. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, um, Perispero in Whole Cake Island should have died. And I'll let you go on as some gets to. I was gonna go with the kind of like, like, I, I like the way you're going with that, Luke, but I would go with like a better example. Uh, Pell. <laughs> yeah, how did he survive? Alabaster. Oh, no. Oh, like uh, yeah. like sometimes you just can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, and to all those people out there, who are like One Piece is perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, there there are things wrong with it. It's like like another gripe I have with One Piece in regards to death. It's like all the deaths um are reserved only for the flashbacks. 
That is that is one of my main issues with One Piece. It's like, oh, what is this kind of spike story? It's probably going to involve someone dying. Oh, yeah, it does. I, after Sometimes a while, it's like, like look it's, at Brooke. I will say, I, I will say, as much as I criticize deaths in flashbacks, like Brooks is like one of the one of the most um, one of the most um, tragic, uh, tragic ones. And having um, met Ian Sinclair, like that man <laughs> learned to sing for that flashback. Wow! Like he learned and took the time to pour his heart and soul into that, and I could not have more praise for somebody that is that dedicated to a franchise, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like, I have so little to weigh in on One Piece because, like, it's not something that I read regularly. I've mentioned many, many times I pick it up, I put it back down, I pick it up, put it back down. At this point, like, I'm just going to let it wrap up and then binge it, and I'm probably going to fucking love it at that point because, like, I I have a an annoying habit of, like, if it's too long running that I try to pick it up. I, I get overwhelmed, you know. Let's say just go arc by arc. Um, you want to read a particular arc, all right? Just give it a rest, and then back later, go to the next arc, and so on. Yeah, um, that, that could work. Like, I was doing it to the point where I was, like, caught up while they were recovering the whole cake arc, and then, like, now there's, like, what, three, four hundred chapters more? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, um, people, people, um, people, um, Complain about um, certain hours going on for way too long. Like you want to know how many fucking drug ass. You want to know? You want to know how how long the Wano arc actually is? I'm guessing it's like a hundred chapters. No, a hundred and forty nine. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and pe and and people and people are saying like, oh, well, the went on for like two and a half years. It went on no, actually, because we had it the pandemic. It went. We had the pandemic. Oh, to take breaks. It went on for four years. Jesus. Yeah, it started in twenty eighteen and it ended this year. That makes sense, but goddamn, like I, I, I will say, like you cannot have something run for twenty plus years and there not be issues with something. Yeah. Uh, I I don't care how perfect in your head that author or that artist or that developer is, you cannot have something go on for that long without there being issues or things that have aged poorly. Look at fucking South Park, for example. There are episodes in South Park that have aged terribly, and I fucking love South Park. Oh yeah, I do as well. Like even back then, but even back then, like well, uh, like. Actually, since it does have a death in that episode, um, I might as well might as well talk might as well talk about it. So I'll just mention the one last thing that I don't like about One Piece. Um, going on uh, what you were saying, so I get so about the fake outs. Sabo, Sabo should have died. So, like, here's the thing: Sabo was meant to be dead in Luffy's flashback. He shows up in Dressrosa. And then they recently they've done it recently it's been like, oh wait, there is actually someone in charge of the world, and then there's this big giant laser coming down on him, and it's just like they're not gonna do another fake out dot right. because of his abilities, like more than likely he's still alive. Like lasers aren't gonna kill. Yeah, but still at the same time it's like really we're doing this again. Sorbo is dead. Right, do with with another character or like 
probably not do it. It's like have him like on a boat and he witnessed the island get obliterated. Yeah, or like his 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 idea his idea um his idea do a do a tw- do a twist with it like make it uh, make it out like oh there's someone in the Marines that were that was actually in coats with Dragon and it's someone we actually know very well someone like that that would have been shocking, yeah. but but. Yeah, at the same time, using Sabo again, it's like, really? Come on. I even have, like, an issue with that in, in Wano. Uh, just, just, like, quick, like, little note for, like, the people listening. I will, like, briefly reference stuff that happened in Wano. Um, if you're not fully caught up with just the one that... The, the constant, like, like um, uh, fake-out deaths with the, with the, with the Samurais. And it's like... It's like, Why? Like why is like and it finally went through and there was finally death, but it was two members of that. Yeah, we knew, uh, but we didn't really, we didn't really get like that much with them for it to even like for there to be any like impact from their death. I'm sure like some of the characters may have felt that. Um, but we didn't get to see that either because there was like you know quick like uh flash forward to like recovery and all that so it wasn't the best execution for any of that oh no for sure for sure not um so that's really all i had to say on one piece in regards to death um but yeah um going going back to what i was saying south park one of the episodes that I think has aged poorly and even I don't think it even aged at all I think it was I it's my least favorite episode it was my least favorite episode back then it's still my least favorite episode now Stanley's Cup okay yeah yeah you See, know you know what I'm thinking you know where I'm going yeah, with this so fact. I I was talking to Red yesterday about when we were going to film uh Chainsaw Man I had um I mentioned that we were filming this first, and then um, he could even be a part of it if he wanted to. He's not home from work yet, apparently. But um, he had mentioned that he keeps getting South Park sounds on TikTok, because, you know, like, there's a sound that you put over your video. That's kind of how, um, then you can kind of meme along with it, or do the little dance, or what, whatever. If you're on social media, you know how the fuck TikTok works. I don't know why I'm trying to explain TikTok. But... <coughs> I, yeah, um, if you're extraordinarily old, it's it, it it's just Vine. Right, it, it's just it's just Vine, basically. That's a great way of putting it. But uh, he keeps getting like videos that have South Park sounds. Um, one of them is like the that you're gonna kill yourself. I tried, man. I tried that that sound. Um, he's getting a lot of the the Satan sounds popping up because he sent me a few of them. I'm like, oh, that's from the. He's like, I need you to take me through the run of South Park. Like, give me the best episode. Like, there's really only, like, seven or eight super bad episodes. Anything with fucking Pip in it. And then <laughs> Stanley's Cup. <laughs> I would also state the episodes that focus on Tally are really bad. Oh, I love Tally. <laughs> I will I will argue I'm sorry, that, I really hate Tally. I will argue that the Tally Randy um team up was one of the best things ever. 
I grew up with somebody that was just like Tally, though. I think that's why I oh. find him an endearing character. But yeah, um, but fe- also fe- a fe- very annoying character. I will yeah. do that. But yeah, thanks. How can you not love um, the Great Expectation with the with Miss Havisham's Genesis device? I I fucking hated that episode. So you much. loved it. You know. But you at should, the like... same time, like there is not a better send off for that worthless character. That Pip was the Pip was the epitome of everything I hated that few seasons he was in there, and I was so glad that he's never come back. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, and I love how when people ask them, like, "Is he really dead?" Well, he looks pretty dead to me. <laughs> Yeah, he got curb stomped quite literally by Mecha Streisand. He's dead, yeah, guys. We killed yeah. the kid. We did the one thing you can't do on television. We killed the fucking kid. Oh, like, because oh, he wasn't easy explicitly to do. Yeah, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? It was pretty easy to do in Promised Neverland. <laughs> Um, but, but like, yeah. on, on, like, daytime television, like, you can't show the death of a kid unless it's in a medical, uh, thing, yada, yada. It was a rule of television for the longest time. Okay. Just, like, uh, Carlin's words you can't say on television, um, which is still, to this day, one of my favorite skits of all time. Um, but, but yeah, like, the death of that fucking kid, like, it was so so shoehorned into this plot of a worthless episode of yeah. nothingness. It was there to pad time because nothing I feel happened. Apparently, what what it was was that they because uh, um the episode before it was the um Cartman in the future two parter. Yeah, so I feel like they uh, were just so exhausted after that they literally just shoe shoehorned that episode. Mm-hmm. And um and it's like has the worst ending of any South Park episode. Like just that um just like there is there is nothing fun funny about it. It's mm-hmm. just like it's just like um meant to be a parody of the Mighty Dogs, but like it's with kindergartners and the uh, adults like um beating um beating them up as if they were <laughs> adult players. Oh yeah. So yeah and, there's uh, a famous uh, documentary for those that aren't aware of like how South Park functions called Six Days to Air. And basically, like dates, the way they stay so super relevant is because they, whenever they are producing a season of South Park, back in the day especially, they were given six days to cause an ep- or create an episode. During the elections, um, they had to rush edit the ending of an episode just because the results that they had predicted in that were wrong. And that was like the equivalent of like in the anime industry of like crunch of trying to get it, you know, out and edited properly back to comedy central just so it airs accurately. And like, there's a lot to say about the dedication to saying accurate and relevant but at the same time, like when it's a slow news cycle, you can tell that that it kind of lulls in this, you know, quality just a little bit because it's not. There's nothing to be topical about. That's kind of how we ended up with like the Tegrity Farm shit going on for so long because there yeah. wasn't really a lot because they did not want to at the time. I'm saying the T word. Um, yeah, we're far enough in during the Trump administration that. <clears throat> 
they didn't want to continue to harp on him because like that was the entirety of the news cycle. It was like, what did Trump fuck up? Or what did he do that was wrong at that time? You know, or what was newsworthy about that? And that was all the news was. So like you had Tegrity Farms drag off for two and a half fucking seasons during the end of his uh presidency. And Mr. Garrison being like the you know, insert character for Trump, as he is usually the insert character for the topic of the week, you uh back in the day as well. Um but back then, you know, there wasn't a whole lot going on. There wasn't that. So they like well, we can medical marijuana and recreational marijuana is being legalized pretty much everywhere. Our show is based in Colorado. Colorado is like the godfather of like the first state of ever having recreational marijuana. Why not? I mean, you had the famous episode where Randy grew his sack to the size that he could do the bouncy ball on it because of course he fucking did because he's Randy Marsh. He's Randy Marsh and he could just, I, I find it pretty hilarious how Randy started off as like the, as like, the worst character, one of the worst characters in the entire series, and then he became the most beloved. Uh, I, I was gonna, the most beloved and worst character in retrospect. I was gonna say, like, one of the most random background characters, like, in the same thing as Butters started off as a random background character, uh, background character, and it's amazing how South Park could do some of the things that some um, mangas cannot do, give their background characters prominence. Yeah, I... I... Like, remember, back in the day, Randy is not a dumb motherfucker by any stretch of the imagination, but how has he not died yet <laughs> with all the dumb shit he's done? <laughs> this man has irradiated his testicles to the side that he literally should, you know, be dead from all the radiation poisoning. Then he had a poop the size of, like, three feet. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I wasn't going to bring that up because I knew that probably one of you two would probably bring that up. No, like, he shit. A shit that is taller than Mecha Streisand, animation-wise. <laughs> that should have ripped his asshole asunder. Like, there, there's prolapse, but goddamn, I would hate to be his butthole. But oh. there, there's so much that he has done that should have killed him. I don't know how he hasn't died. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But, yeah, just quickly going back to Stanley's Cup of just how, like, um, of just like how it ends with like that kid um, die, uh, dying of um, dying of cancer like there's no other way I can get around it yeah, and like, then say the word like he died, yeah. of, he died of leukemia I believe was the type of cancer it's okay. Been, that's one episode I do tend to skip on my rewatches <laughs> yeah um, I've, and the worst part about it is like it makes it out like there's going to be like repercussions for Stan at this episode mm -hmm. because it's like you have Kyle saying like, "Oh, don't let my brother get hurt in this game. He lets his brother get hurt in this game." In this game, and there is virtually no. It's like literally the next episode. It's like, I don't know. If this is like South Park, like not all the episodes I've come to, but it's literally like that episode never happened. It's like it got final snapped after it aired, as it should, as it should. Yeah, but I feel like that's what makes me hate it more is the fact that there was no repercussions oh yeah like that was my biggest issue with that one because like they'd set up like stand to be this menace like he he won he he kind of became a criminal on his own right it was a civil infraction i don't know he got a ticket blah 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 blah, blah. but like he was the bad boy 
for the episode, he had to go and pay his dues. So he's teaching these kids how to play hockey because he used to play hockey. And then he's technically responsible at the end of the day for his that kid's death. Like, without shoehorning any bullshit about it. Like, he was responsible because he tied. Like, it was a tie. And then it, he lost, you know. And then he dies, you know. Because when he was tied, like, the cancer stayed the same, you know. <clears throat> Which was such a unique idea in and of itself, but at the same time, like, stupid as fuck. It was really stupid. Yeah, but, like, I gave him credit for, like, doing something different. Like, obviously, like, cancer is this long, drawn-out ordeal. If it's, like, especially if it's, you know, stage four. Like, oh, yeah, I know from spirit. Well, not me, but my mom. Uh, she had a fight with it for, like, for an entire decade. Yeah. No, same. Um, like, my mom um, has dealt got, with... Got rest her soul. Um, yeah. But... yeah, my mom dealt with breast cancer, and it was, like, just getting it back into remission was, like, a two-and-a-half, three-year, like drug and fucking chemo and all this shit um, to deal with that. But yeah, it, it's just a long drawn out ordeal and it wrecks the person. That's why he was in hospice care, the kid was. But at the same time, like they, at the end of the episode you kind of were stuck there thinking that there was going to be repercussions either from the family or what have you. But no, like it's like... Rest the kid's soul, he's gone. On to the next adventure here. We're gonna go play with fucking dolls and do the next thing. And yeah, it is crazy. But I honestly, like, I think it was more because I was, like, nearing the end of the season, too. They didn't want to drag too many plot threads along. <clears throat> but yeah, it was an interesting one. But Scott Tinderman, on the other hand. Oh! That. Is at the number one spot of every Watch Mojo South Park video, and <laughs> well, it is a good episode. Like I won't doubt it. Uh, like, it's dumb, but it's a good episode. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like one of the most shocking. Cartman, Cartman is a criminal. Top ten reasons. Uh, top ten darkest moments in South Park history. <laughs> top ten reasons why um, Cartman Watch is Mojo a criminal. needs to fucking shut up. Yeah, top ten reasons why Carmen is a criminal. Number one, he copied Shakespeare. <laughs> Cartman was a literal Nazi general in one episode. I know. Yes. I... But the the thing about this episode, it's not like visually, like visually, like as horrific as like later episodes. But it's um, it's the theme. The pl- the, it, yeah, it's the the. The way the plans just are like really silly at the start, and then he notices like his friends aren't backing him up, and then he goes too far twice in a row. <laughs> so the whole premise of it is that he was sold pubes to look older. <laughs> and, and then he kills well, he doesn't Pulled the trigger. He's not a direct. It's manslaughter. It's not murder. <laughs> but, but he causes Scott Tenderman's parents to be killed, 
and then he fucking makes him into a cannibal. <laughs> and what we've was, had Pai Chan's join. What's so unique about that episode is like years down the line when Cartman thinks he's dead, he's trying to like make amends with everything and like he just can't pass it was what was it like he couldn't pass over if he didn't make amends like butters was the only one that could see him kind of thing yeah but he's sitting there while scott tinnerman's at his parents grave apologizing for making him eat his fucking parents <laughs> And I'm I, sorry, Pi Jones had to come in at that at that moment. <laughs> he's he's over here, Daphne. But uh no, like that was just like how South Park handled it really well. Like Yeah even I, seasons down the line there were somewhat repercussions for the actions there. Yeah, and also as well, like even further down the line, it's eventually revealed like um Cartman and Scott Tenement are half brothers because um Scott Tenement's dad is Cartman's dad. <laughs> which is one of the which is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in South Park. It's like Cartman's not upset about the fact that he killed his own father. It's the fact that he's half ginger. <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> but no, like, it, it's not even just that. Like, Which, that... which, by the way, that actually fits perfectly with Cartman because he went, because Cartman went, do you just have no souls? Well, that puts you at the top of the food chain. <laughs> it really does. No, but like, it also ties in really nicely to the fact that his mom is essentially, I know this isn't the PC term for, but she's kind of the town whore. <laughs> like... I, I got crack, and I slept with Scott Tenderman's dad, you know, so, uh, we got my fix, and I got, I got a little action on the side, and I created a fucking monster. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, man. But, it's it's oh, so weird. Yeah, but one of the other, like, good deaths in South Park, and I know we've kind of um, said it was meant to be deaths in anime, but, and now we're talking about South Park, um, but, hey, screw it, wait, screw it, we can do what we want. Um, but yeah, um, one of the other good deaths that I really want to touch on in South Park is, um, is Kenny Dies, the episode Ke where Kenny actually dies. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I was going to go with Satan, actually. But yeah, like Kenny, yeah. Kenny is definitely the most impactful because he was gone for basically, an entire, yeah, an entire season. Well, he he was and he wasn't. They um, cleverly found ways to keep him to keep him relevant in in the season, and that's that's what I love most about that death in uh, in comparison to the Stanley's Cup um, death is the fact that that death it wasn't just like. Um, Oh, Kenny's gone. He's ne he's never coming back. No, no, that he was actually Kenny's referenced throughout. Inside all of you, literally <laughs> some of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was actually referenced a lot through um, season six. Uh, kind of kept him, kind of kept him relevant. Um, to uh, and gave us a lot of really good episodes, like the um, return of the like the um, a ladder to he heaven is one of my favorite ep South Park episodes. <laughs> yeah um and, yeah and then and then it kind of circles back into him actually coming back at the end of the season i, I, which... I, I love ladder to heaven for another reason than you probably probably um 
which is something like like I said when you did that um, years ago. Like I can't really even say this years ago when you did like the cut the cartoon tier list. When I said like that's what they should have done with Brian in um, Family Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should have. Because if you look at modern Family Guy, like post twenty sixteen, I'd say Brian is literally the worst. He is he has taken the role of Quagmire as the shittiest quote unquote human being on that show. <laughs> I I don't even want to say I watch Family Guy anymore. I see more. I see more of Family Guy on fucking TikTok than I do on my own television at this point. But Brian as a character, I I would just I would all yell at him if it was my dog. <laughs> like, it, I I don't understand. I'm saying that like one hundred percent with sarcasm. Obviously, don't come after me, Peta. Um, <laughs> they they have no room. They they, ha- they have. <laughs> They have some meat plants to go bitch about. Um, yeah. No, I'm just talking about, like, the many horrible things they've done in the past. They have oh, no Absolutely. Peta can... Yeah, and also, they're, they're the biggest hypocrites ever. The only people that like PETA are people that just think that they advocate for animals. They are a disgusting organization. They help fund kill shelters. They are the worst. Uh, <clears throat> how to get them to block you on social media is post a picture of a hot dog in their comment section. Um, I, I have tried that and it works. Um, but anyway, like that, he's the worst, but like having the Kenny episode, you know, where he dies, like that has such weight and it gave us some of the most iconic moments in the fucking franchise. When you actually break it down, like you have moments like the, the Loch Ness monster joke because of that, you know, and that is like one of the most quoted south park references on the planet and if kenny hadn't died that wouldn't have happened um it, it's just insane like th- th- i cannot believe that that video is almost three years old at this point <laughs> uh that's here list where the fuck is time gone i know uh, but i i will say like the re- the moment the reason i like that ladder to heaven bit is because it deconstructs how cash grabby modern country music was around the era of 9-11 <laughs> and i love that it put a little bit of a knife in the back of alan jackson and the fact that he made a fucking career off of basically let's call it what it is gore porn because he made a whole like 9-11 album <laughs> oh i just call it 9-11 oh my words uh so there's over here parodying him uh, but yeah, no, I grew up in the, with a dad that loves country music, um, and today on the way to go to my occupational therapy, because it was just on the way to his work, I just rode with him, um, and has anybody, I know this is a tangent, has anybody heard the, uh, the Bo Burnham skit about modern stadium country? No. So there's, uh. I hadn't heard this one particular. No. So he has a song called Pandarin, and it's about country music artists that have never experienced the country life. Like, they, they basically have never had to, like, go and, you know, plow a field or do anything. They just make money off of that demographic. 
usually referencing like little keywords and it just sells out stadiums because they're like oh he's just like one of us but he's really not <clears throat> so there's a country music artist i'm gonna get sued for this but uh that allegedly uh, i'm going to simon whistler allegedly wrote an entire song about his like military dad's uh old pickup truck for example not gonna name the artist but like everything that that kind of dad would hate he's doing but he's driving his truck and i'm just over here like oh this this look this is 100% what that song that that comedy sketch song was about <laughs> i'm just fucking dying cuz he's listening to this uh but yeah like that that kind of music has no soul no substance no anything i fucking hate everything that it stands for uh but anyway on to an anime-ish one. You had mentioned Avatar. And oh, yes, yes. Um, because if we're talking about deaths in anime and anime-ish um, series, you have to mention The Legend of Korra, because it's like Nickelodeon, who is famous for just having 24-7 SpongeBob, um, oh, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. And iCarly at one point. Yeah. And, iCar and iCarly. And people were just thinking like, Legend of Korra, Legend of Korra's not going to take any risks whatsoever. Does, in my opinion, one of the most brutal deaths in any... It's basically like, oh, you think we're not going to go that far? Yeah, we are. The death of the Earth Queen in Legend of Korra. Yeah, like, when it wanted to, Avatar could, they could be very, very dark. And that's one of those, like, I wasn't expecting back in the day when that was airing. I was 100% expecting it to play it safe because this is a kid show. It's called what it is. It's a fucking kid show. But at the same time, like, Korra did something really unique, regardless of, like, your feelings of, like, how they kind of, in a sense, queer baited until the comics came out. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, like, they, they were able to do what they could with that demographic. And it's so annoying that it's overshadowed by, like, the the Korosami ship, you know, they got away with a lot on that show. Yeah, like, just, just when, uh, just when, uh, um, so, um, oh, what was his name again? I, it's been six years since I watched it. Let me, referring to right now? <laughs> uh, The Legend of Korra, Pajam. Oh, no, I, I know, but what character are you trying to think of? Um, the, e, um, the leader of the Red Lotus, Oh, um, Zaheer? Zaheer, that was it. Zaheer, I was trying... I knew it began with a said, but uh, I was... I was yeah, he's one of my favorite antagonists, so I have that one, like, burned in my brain. Yeah, just when he was like, I don't I don't believe in queen. I don't believe in queens. And you just see, like, just the air bubble just go around her head and just literally the air and life just get removed from her throat. And I feel like... That's the only reason why they couldn't say the word death at that point, because he goes, there is only darkness. So it's like, but you knew exactly what had happened. 
I also wanted to toss in for, well, one, uh, what Vex was saying earlier, I had to step away for a bit, but I actually have heard that song on repeat. I love that song by Bo Burnham. And second, uh, I believe when that season was airing, because that was like peak Cora, I believe it was actually the episodes were coming online first. Like it was had, it was like pulled off air for a little while, and it's because of well, scenes like that. So I mean, props oh, yeah, to Nick that. for leaving allowing it. But I think that even then they were doing their best to keep their brand safe, which kind of hurt the show ultimately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you, you can. But hey, at least we got the comics. You can go back and like view the analytics for the shows during that time now, which is really cool. So I I was doing that for something that I was going to work on, and I decided to drop the project because it was just so it was so much data for what I wanted to prove that just researching the data alone, <clears throat> I was going to do it for part of the Power Rangers um, talk you know the by the era because i wanted to like prove a point for like the disney era versus like the neo saban era and shit like that i was gonna make it like a whole side thing on the another channel uh i didn't know if i was gonna put on like chaos squared or try to barter with red upon k squared or put on the the studios channel just so it didn't bog down the analytics for the main videos but there are fucking spreadsheets like six google docs deep of like how like season to season to season to season especially like around the certain episodes in particular like things would shoot up and shoot down cora when it came because i just got fascinated by it because my mind likes to deal with data sometimes like cora around the time that it was going like online first and then going on there like, you could just see it drop off, like, hard. So that's, that tracks. Like, it really did hurt it going online only because a lot of people didn't want to deal with that back in the day. That was, like, before Netflix and all that was, like, super, super mainstream to where, like, people were cord cutting to begin with and just going online for their entertainment. So, like, having that sharp drop off helps it get that, like, early acts treatment so to speak which is unfortunate because, and like, nick at the time was also like very hard to watch things online too oh yeah so i mean i tried because how much i loved cora uh but it was not quickly easy. mirrored onto other sites that we won't mention but yes that they did not pick good times for that and i think they did that by design because they wanted to protect their brand at the end of the day but at the same time like you agreed to this. They had to have pitched you at least early parts of this as they were renewing it. There there had to have been like, oh, by the way, we're going to show this brutal blood bending and sucking the oxygen out of, you know. They had to have known some of this when they agreed to this second in the sagas, you know, shit, you know. It, it's weird. Like, Nick was very, Nick still is very enigmatic in what they allow and don't allow yeah they had to have known it because even even back in season one of Cora, if you actually if you actually look at um uh um amon um who gotta say steve bloom voices amon is one of the best things ever and and his uh and his brother um who 
who really it should have been like Amon should have um uh, Amon should have been the brother the brother who was kind of like Palpatine working both sides. It really shouldn't have been a separate character because it seemed like yeah this is clearly something Amon would do all his actions. But that's that, that's tangent for another day. But yeah, even back in season one where. They had to have known because literally the way they the way they die it's like they commit suicide. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Like you, you're you were okay with you were okay with suicide, but not a lesbian kiss. <laughs> you were okay with suicide, but we got to time slot this on a website first to kind of filter it out because of like this brutal death. Like it was so bizarre. I I don't I've never understood the reasoning for that one at all. I it's almost like they wanted to kill the show off after season one, but they couldn't get out of it. It's kind of like on the la- la loud house, right? Just to get around getting sued by the creator who was out of her being a pest. Uh, they've got his name credited under the logo in like. Four point font and all black. Now <laughs> we're still crediting you, but we don't want your name associated with our channel, which rightfully so. But at the same time, like it's just little things like that that Nickelodeon does. It's just so weird. The heck are you guys talking about? Uh, we were talking about Avatar and Korra, the Earth Queen specifically there, and then kind of went tangential when he popped in. Um, oh yeah, what did I miss? Like, did you guys start or? Uh, yeah. yeah, we've started. Yeah, we, we're, we were... Uh, an hour and a minute in, actually. Uh, yeah, an we... hour and a minute in. Yeah, yeah and because we spent a lot of time talking about like the deaths of in South Park as well as well as the deaths in One Piece. So I think we should get back to talk about more uh, more an- anime related deaths. One I really want to bring up uh, in particular is. Um, uh, from a series that um, Fex has very mixed feelings about Pokemon Sun and Moon. Oh, God. Here we like, go. How spoilery is this? Because I haven't seen the anime. Okay. Just like, this, is this also in the game? It's not in the game. It's not in the game. But I want to um, uh, say, regardless of what you think, Fex, you cannot deny that. It's the sad. St- the Stoutland episode in Sun and Moon is absolute perfection. It's sad, but that whole season of in Pokemon was dog shit. I love Sun and Moon so much. Thank but... you, thank you. About number TFX. I could not get attached with that art style at all. A new moon. Really, that's almost why it drew me to it. Yeah, um, but yeah, part um. Yeah, kind of going a bit of spoiler here, but yeah, um, people people were looking at some of just being like, "Oh, this light-hearted, um, cheery slice of life series," and then it adds on the death of a Stoutland, and it's not even like it's not even a death. Um, it's not even a death um, from like, um, oh, uh, oh, he, oh, he just, he, he just. Um, he he just died. He, he just died off screen. No, they really drag it out. Like they make it. They make it out like this. Stoutland is is so weak. Like when Ash picks him up in the actual episode, he comments like, "It's lighter than I actually. It's lighter than it should be." And when he goes to the Pokemon Center, the nurse is like, 
he doesn't have much time left and it's just you just see it fade fading away and it's beautifully done because you have this tree right next to where stoutland is and the leaves keep falling off and it's very representative of stoutland how much time it has left and then you just see the single last leaf um last leaf uh, drop off as the stoutland just fades into the ether and then it's just gone and it's just it 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 really just tugs at your heartstrings and literally throughout the episode there's virtually no dialogue it's just watching this pokemon uh and it's life end but at the same time the pokemon that it's looking after it get, gets the crush like okay he's okay i can go on with my life so that was what i wanted to say on that i don't know if someone gets to add anything kelsey wanted to add no, you, you perfectly described the episode uh <laughs> So yeah, if there's one episode of Sun and Moon that I can honestly recommend, it's that episode. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely what I call the dick kick episode. But I it just that season is it's not for me. To watch it to make my own opinion there, because really the art style is what drew me into it. Because with Pokemon, you know, it's I've watched that show since I was a kid, but because of that, I also dropped in and out of it. I think around like Pokemon Black and White time was when like I wasn't able to keep up with the regular. Oh god, anymore. we 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 do not talk about Pokemon Black and White anime. I heard that, and so when I saw like Sun and Moon was taking like a different art style. One. I did like some of it, like some of it, uh, it but had the same... some of the most unique ideas like, in it. I I honestly like Team Rocket in Black and White the most, and it just annoys me that. The people were, even the voice actors in Japan were like, we want comedy Team Rocket, even though technically they didn't start out as comic relief. If no, you really go are, back and watch season villains. one. Like, they, they are hardcore villains early on, and then they just evolve into, like, real comedic, loving, you know, like, even them at the because I watched the finale of... Um, journeys like the clip that's been circulating around that like even them being like really proud of ash is fucking cool like yeah oh yeah i'm not gonna deny that and side note leon versus ash one of the best battles in the entire pokemon series like i didn't watch the battle because i want to you know experience the battle when i watched this the season but like i watched like that that slideshow of like everybody reacting to his victory like that there encapsulates like 25 years of television in itself you know but and i love like that that art style for pokemon like journeys is what i picture pokemon as you know like that was 100 like everything in my brain like this is what i'm experiencing when i'm playing the game even still need to buy scarlet violet i hear it's great and let me know your team in the comments if you made it this far, actually. Let's get that interaction up. Uh, let me be YouTuber here for a second. But no, like, that... That one was really heartfelt. But at, that... At the end of the day, like, no, Team Rocket were villains. They... I never understood, like, like why they turned them into comic relief, but I do kind of like it at the end of the day. Um, I'm kind of mixed on it. I... Yeah. Sometimes I do like them as comic relief. I feel like it's just like the notion on. of yeah, the notion for um for before black and white to have them in every single 
episode. They're not needed in every episode. That, that was annoying, 100%. Like, like Peach, Pikachu's goodbye, like, did they really need to be there? No. No. They, they didn't need to be in shit like Bye Bye Butterfree either. Like, at the end of the day, like, those... Team Rocket does not need to be in every episode. Team Rocket is there to capture Pikachu. Yeah. That's Hang their mission. Popping again. <clears throat> it's deaths in anime and deaths in fiction, technically. But, like, the, the reason, like, I want to touch on one other thing for Pokemon before we get back to that, is the the clip that was circulating, I don't know any context of it, but the fucking Gengar that got left by the the trainer. Oh, God. Think how long that Gengar would have been there. Three years. It was there for three years. But think if it hadn't found out what was going on, how long that would have been there. That Gengar could have been there till the trainer died. Oh, God. Yeah. That's just another, like, weird, like, thing in Pokemon that I absolutely love. Like, that Gengar was 100% loyal to that trainer until he found out that he betrayed him. Yeah. And now he's and now he's loyal to Ash, and he's one of my favorite Ash Pokemon. I, I, I'm a sucker for Gengar. Gengar is my favorite Pokemon. So... Oh, okay. Like, that that clip broke my heart. I'm like, God, that trainer is a worthless piece of shit. I, I'm so glad that he is yeah, with that. And Ash thankfully, now. it was not another Firestarter. God. Reminds me of, like, Charmander almost dying horribly in the rain. Right. Oh, God, yeah. Like, Pokemon is incredibly dark when it wants to be. And then Charizard went through his weird edgy phase. Yeah. <laughs> And, Not uh, and, a phase, and again, and again, he almost died again. Uh, so, no, I, I'm shocked uh, nobody has brought it up, so I'll bring it up. Makima's death. Yeah, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up, because uh, I had Power's death as, like, one of my good... Good deaths in anime and manga, just of how like out out of nowhere, but how in in con how appropriate it was for the series. Oh yeah, I, Power's death was impactful, but I think out of every thing that happened in Chainsaw Man Part One, I think that Makima's death has still got the most weight behind it because you can see now, especially like how devolved Denji has become to. And Red and I will talk about it in the, the fucking review, the last review before my break. Yeah. But that, you can see how just devolved Dingy is now. He's on the street selling cigarettes to, you know, homeless people because he can't have a side job because it's forbidden while he's selling. Yeah. And also as well, also as well, I'm just going to say, Kishibei, what are you doing? <laughs> You yeah, you've left Denji with this kid, and you're not even gonna keep an eye on him. He, he's got to sell smoke so Niata can eat. Come on now. Yeah, but also as well, I'm still calling it. I, I don't care what Analva says about me, Luke. You've got to, you've got to let Makima go. I'm still calling it that Makima is probably inside Denji, like the conscience, in the same way that 
Yoru is with Asa. Oh, I'm sure there's some sort of like lingering. Because uh, uh, it's just it's just how Denji says, "I will be, I will, I will become one with you, Makima." Mm-hmm. I will become one with you, and I don't think that was a throwaway line. Uh, but at the same time, like it could be something in translation. It could be the fact that. Like, he's consuming the nutrients. It, it, I don't know what the plan for that is. But you can see, like, after that moment, Denji has never been the same. In every single mo- panel he's been on page. Which arguably hasn't been a whole lot for part two. I know, and that's that's one of the most fascinating things I've found about Chainsaw Man. is that, unlike with One Piece, who they're definitely afraid to not have Luffy out of the series for extended periods of time. Um, uh, Chainsaw Man has not really focused on Denji enough in part two, but it's it somehow works. It does, and I think I think as we move forward with part two, we'll see more and more of those effects of like what's going on. But I do think out of everything in part one, like Makima's death, like you you saw him grow and love and then be betrayed and then have to commit cannibalism because it's not a Fujimoto production if it's not got something well, fucked up in here, it. Here, here's, here's the thing. Does it technically count because Makima is technically a devil? I, yeah. I, you're splitting hairs. It was still a conscious being. <laughs> but, like, you start Fire Punch off of cannibalism, you go to dog fucking. Oh my god, Fex, you hate me bringing that up, but it's Fujimoto, he is gonna bring, he is gonna bring that back in some way. I know you don't wanna hear it, but it's gonna happen. I don't wanna pay for therapy. That that reminds me of something, also with One Piece, of like, how, like, sometimes cannibalism is just casually, like, dropped in, like, a scene, and no one thinks past it. Like, Big Mom, Big Mom's flashback. Right. Or like Luffy trying to eat Crocodile. Like, it, it's so casually put throughout that series, you're right. I never really thought of that, but like, yeah. I, it's never as grotesque and, you know, just on page as it was in like Fire Punch or in Chainsaw Man where you're making goddamn bento boxes out of Makima Nuggets. But, like, there's so many interesting, like, avenues they could go with that too because, like, we have a new control devil obviously in Yata, but how removed from that lifestyle will she be as Denji is completely devolving as a character just simply because he killed the one he loved and cherished so much and then consumed that, consumed the flesh of, you know? It's such a fucked concept. I love it. I love Fujimoto for dumb shit like that. But power, it's just like instantaneous death. Like, you know, those were the only two on part one that really meant anything, realistically. I mean, Aki's kind of. Kind of, but we knew he was doomed from the start. Like, we that was foreshadowed heavily that he was going to die a horrific death. So yeah, I, I think I have to be the Aki fan here and say we are underplaying how much his death was. The snowball fight is still traumatic. It's still like, traumatic, like... but we knew ahead of time that he was going to die horribly because of the future devil. But yeah, true, but yeah. I think the build-up to it is what made that special. I mean, with Makima's and Powers, there was a huge amount of shock factor, which is very, like, bread butter for a Chainsaw Man. But I think with Aki's, what I appreciated about both him and 
his death is the fact that it was like a long journey we followed. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but I feel I, nothing. Yeah, I just feel nothing. I feel yeah, I've, yeah. But I feel like um, it all like you you mentioned um, Makima. Um, I think Aki, Aki probably had it worse because he uh, he got he got turned into the devil that killed his real family and was made to almost kill his adoptive family in Denji yeah, and Power. It was it was thematically beautiful and tragic, but at the end of the day, I I expected it because of the future devil, so it didn't it didn't shock me as much i guess is why it's not as impactful to me but at the same time like you're right like he became the instrument of his own destruction and at the same time like it was just there it was this beautiful journey like party james pup but like at the same time like okay i get it but i expected it and i'm so used to i think it's because i was so used to few fujibato just being like shocking death shocking death shocking death and I'm like, you I know um True, but I think that's why Aki stands out comparatively. Yeah, but I, I cannot wait for pe um for for people to just be like uh like with my hero and Crust going back to that briefly of people just um of people just crying their eyes out over these random characters and then eventually it's going to be like oh we're actually kind of getting used to this. When yeah, the are going to take a whole new meaning for that. Oh yeah, like. I, I'm seriously. I am waiting for uh, the, as I like to call it, from um, from Tyler Pancake, the Denji Buddy scene, <laughs> where Makima kills Power and um, and breaks Denji completely. Oh yeah, I, I'm waiting for that. But I'm also waiting to see, like, especially like watching American reaction channels. I want to see their reaction to the Gun Devil introduction. You, you know that 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 reaction it's just gonna be like how the i can imagine it doing uh hunter x on style with the requiem how it's just like choir music and then you just see the lists of deaths i'm also wondering if like they'll americanize the names in the dub too or they'll just keep them like you know how they are in the manga they'll probably keep them how they are in the manga because that's what they've been doing recently that's neat. That's neat. I, I, I'm just so used to, like, shit like that getting Americanized that I'm like, okay, we got John Smith and then, like, 17 other variations of that. I do and, like how, like, the first Digimon did it, like, Jordan Americanized, like, some of the names, some, but they kept, like, the Japanese name. They didn't, like, erase any reference to, like, Japan. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, they kept Ty's name because Ty, Ty's name in Japan is Taiji, so they kind of shortened that. I was more referring to like Madden Joe, <laughs> yeah, uh, and Izzy being Koshiro. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of Digimon, one death that we definitely have to talk about is the um, what I like to call the Sean Bean of Digimon. <laughs> Uh, Fex knows what I'm talking about here. With yeah, with, I was hoping someone would bring this up after the Pokemon talk. Yeah, with Le Leomon, but more specifically Leomon's death in um in Digimon Tamers. You're not wrong. Cause like just just how shocking. Cause at that point in Digimon Tamers, it's like none of the main partners are being touched 
But as soon as, but as soon Except as Lee, no, no, I'm talking about Digimon Tamers. Oh, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, oh, yeah. Season three. okay, okay, season yeah. three okay, Digimon you. Tamers because. At that point in the series, none of the Digimon team was partnered. Like, even though they could have so easily had done it so many times before, they, I imagine the animation team were probably like, no, no, we're going to wait until Leomon. We're going to wait. We're, we, it seems like there's always a clause, like, it always has to be Leomon. Except for one season. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he didn't die in that one. No. No. Um, but yeah, just Leomon's death in that series, it it's just like that's that's the point in the series where it's like Digimon Tamers grow grows grows a pair and gets super dark and super depressing and leads into like one of the more one of the most traumatic things that Digimon has ever done with the D Reaper and just like the echoing of just destiny, 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 destiny. Like even before that it was like when Katara, uh, sorry, what, uh, like, like, with the rage with, um... Yeah, with, um, Gilmon. Yes. Yeah, and a lot of people, like, are really, um, really, um, split, uh, really split on that, like, why does that actually happen? And I, I, and I actually think it's pretty obvious, because uh, Gilmon and Takara are psychically linked, so... Gilmon is the first to see, like, Leomon die and go berserk, and immediately, like, literally after that, in the very next frame, Takal is going berserk. Yeah, because, like, they, like, they beat off, like, their partners, like, emotionally in order to digivolve even in the first place. Um, yeah. So that, that scene is, like, very, like, jarring, especially when, like, just gets like knocked out like after Beelzebub just absorbs all that data and he's just steamrolling past everyone. It's just and just pointing like double like a sawed off like double barrel like shotguns at the face of children. Yeah. Oh my god. Like Oh my god, I can, uh, now, now, now I finally know where, um, Boichi and Inogaki got it for Stanley Slider pointing the gun at Suica. <laughs> they obviously were watching the BLs on fire, but yeah, let's put that in the series. I think you mentioned this in another video, too. Like, the more I'm hearing this conversation, I'm like, I think this was actually in another podcast when we mentioned Leomon. And... Probably, we probably did. Uh, but well, I, like... I, I had to bring it up here if we're talking about deaths, like... Leomon's yeah. death in Digimon Tamers is like one of the most shocking, brutal, brutal ones. Right. Brutal I, ones I was ever. Like, wait, I, I think we're retreading the conversation. Typical podcast fashion. I love it. <laughs> but no, like, there, there's one other, like, moment that's really dark in Digimon, just to bring it up. And it's from the movie. Like, the entire ending sequence to the movie. Because <clears throat> you have. Because I haven't watched um, any of the Try or the Kizuna uh, movies yet, I should do that as a Digimon fan. I'm doing myself a disservice, but I don't. I don't want that journey to end in a way. I know it's selfish and pathetic. I mean, they're coming out with an Adventure Two adaptation as well, so it's not over by a long shot. Jesus Christ! Apparently, uh, it's supposed to. That's supposed to feature the first ever Digidestined. That's yeah, actually... I mean, there were some hints towards the original team in Try, so that makes sense. The, the... 
uh, like the selfish part of me didn't want that to end. I had no idea about that. Um, I arguably am like doing myself a disservice of a Digimon fan of not playing Survive too. I guess because I hear it's really good. Um, you can vouch for that. I've also played it. I really enjoy it. I need to finish it. <laughs> um, but like that entire ending sequence to the movie, like, is some of the darkest I'd ever seen Digimon still to this day. Um, I guess Fusion, like Cross Wars has its own dark themes, but it was really dumbed down for the American version, too. Yeah. Well, that and, like, yeah. season two of it was, like, very... Existing. I, I, yeah, I, very different. Yeah, it existed. I did not enjoy, like, season two of, 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 of Cross Wars. I, I Although, like Cross the Wars, like backstory for the main character was just like so like weirdly dark. Like in terms of way, like I did not expect this for the main character, but also it feels ridiculous that this over drama is necessary. I like the concept of like fusing everything together to the point like Yeah, that's it, cool. But it just kinda got old, honestly, after a while. Oh yeah, like for sure. It got old. The, like, the evolutions were all just cross more numbers. Like the contrast between it and like like in DNA digivolving is like they're more focused on like the compatibility DNA wise in order to do it. this one they're just becoming parts in order for to just force it. Yeah, here, that sounds a bit odd in hearing myself say that. But uh, you're you're not wrong. Uh, robot combining that there there I say he <laughs> <laughs> salvaged that. Uh, but no, you're not wrong. Like it was just like, how do I make this more absurd? I give it a giant fuck off star sword. I <laughs> I make a drill arm. <laughs> it was so dumb in hindsight. But like monkey brain me loved it when a giant thing beat up other giant thing. You that like, like it doing that is like a reference to a certain like mecha anime. Yeah. So. It had like a lot of tokusatsu style going on there, and I'm like, yeah. I would say that was more of a thing in um, Frontier because it has a lot of tokusatsu tropes in it. I watched Frontier once. I have not rewatched that one. Um, I should though. I, I should. I'm due for a Digimon rewatch. I say as my anime backlog is three pages long at this point. You I think we're all due for a digital like, we, we can't watch everything, so not. I still got to watch app. Try to watch as much as like you and you know series you enjoy, mm -hmm. and then a few others, I guess. <laughs> if you try to consume everything, you end up consuming nothing. Yeah. Yes. But also as well, um, just to. Go over the caveat as well with Digimon, uh, talking about deaths and darkness as well. Um, can't can't go without mentioning this Digimon uh, Savers or Digimon Data Squad with Digimon Hitler, as I like to call him. Just basically go going, just basically like uh, the character going around um, creating um, basically the Digimon version of the Daleks because there is no other way to get around it. Like they are literally the di they are literally robots with a laser beam that as soon as it shoots the Digimon. It raises their data, even can't come back as an egg. And it's just kind like... Of like... It kind of, like, got on the treads of, like, the D-Reaper, except this time they're, like, artificial Digimon instead of a different program. Yeah. But I'd, still. Yeah, I'd just be like, oh, uh, oh, this one Digimon attacks me. All Digimon are evil, so we're gonna... 
for lack of a better word, it's as I mentioned in Dominic's exterminate them all. Yeah. And yeah, and that got that got like um super messed up at times because one of the one of the um main cast in that series like was basically uh, was ba- basically um was basically left in the digital world thought he was a digimon raised by a frigimon who got brutally executed right in front of his eyes by those creatures so it's just like wow that is messed up when you really think about it mm-hmm. And yet, ironically, he, ironically, that character never attacked any of the partners. Just like, I don't get that sometimes. It's like, you have these people like, oh, I hate all these characters. Okay, now characters here, why are you getting rid of them? Uh, plot armor. Yeah, shit. I never thought of that. Yeah, plot armor, like the world's constantly trying to kill Luffy and, Luffy and people just like, I guess I'll save this guy. The world's like, no, I want him to drown to death. I think that's <laughs> I think that's one of the fi- one of the issues that I have in just death in media. It's like you have a perfectly good opportunity to um to do the double tap on this character. So why aren't you doing the double tap on this character? Um, we don't really have a reason. And then Fujimoto comes along. He's like, "No, no, this is how you do it." Bang. Or you have the opposite of that, in which like too many characters are being killed off in quick succession before you actually like care about them. Which I call the Chainsaw like, Man. Sit- no, the Chainsaw no. Man effects. Yeah. No, I meant. I would say less graphic than that, but also it's just like it keeps happening like every other time, and it's more of like I would say, like like within Star Trek, let's say the red shirt syndrome. Oh God, Chainsaw Man isn't the first one to originate this like trope. No, I've been done before plenty of times, and honestly, it's more frequent in horror themed series than action series. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just like it's the one that's the most mainstream right now. Yeah. Uh, but no, like, the red shirt effect, your existence is to die. Like, 100%. If you are wearing well, a red shirt... referring to a, a Gorwin example, sure. Yeah, that works. Yeah, like, if you're wearing a red shirt in a Star Trek series, you are going to die at some point. It, there are very few expe- exceptions to that rule. Um, I, My dad is a huge Star Trek person, so, like, <laughs> I've seen fucking every Star Trek series under the sun... With or without my own consent, because it's usually what was playing on the goddamn television when I was a kid. Um, but it's an interesting concept, you know, like existence is pain kind of thing, like Mr. Me Seeks. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah, and there was something else that I wanted to bring up as well, and I brought this up to you, Fex. Um, when, uh, when characters who it seems like they are absolutely 100% dead and then it's just like oh no we're not going to we're not going to kill them off um armen in attack on titan <laughs> you knew i was going to bring this up eventually cuz it's like it's like when that happened and when it was like okay yeah armen is armen is definitely dead oh no wait we're going to give him the titan serum <laughs> yeah but okay well I'll let you finish your thought, but I have some things up. That is all I want to say on that. I'm like, okay, why, well, well, why, keep, why keep, why do that? <laughs> why do that just for dramatic they, effect? They needed a, a 
protagonist to fa face off against Hitler or Aaron. Um, but at the same time, I agree, it's pointless. There were, there were plenty of other cast members to give that vial of Titan Serum to. But fucking Christ. I, I, it, I'm just... I don't really care. I, I, it's one of those that I... Okay, it makes sense to the plot, but... God damn it. Like, he could, it could have been an impactful death, you're right. It really could have, but it just... It is what it is. I, I, yeah. I find it very, very telling of what kind of audience Isama actually ended up cultivating by the fact that he had to go out on record to please don't attack me while I'm at this panel for the ending to my series... Yeah, that was very sad to see. But uh, I do want to add more with, like, Arvin's death now, as I guess the Attack on Titan fan here, because yeah. it's still considered, like, my number one series at this moment. So, with Arvin's death, um, I think they did, of course, like, kill him off in a really dramatic way, but they didn't just bring him back so easily. Like, his bringing back came at the cost of another major character's demise, specifically Erwin, and this is, of course, all the spoilers if you're at this point, but uh, I Armin's guilt towards being the one to survive, like, what decisions need to be made, and, like, Erwin's impact uh, in the story there forward, like, how people, like, used and misused his um, influence, not just in the story, but actually even out of the story, because fans were debating, like, where would Erwin side with uh, Aaron on what he was doing? So, in many ways, like, the fact that Armin's came back to life gave huger impact to Erwin's death, but it also gave certain consequences to what Armin needs to do and took his character in a semi-interesting way. Yes, they could have killed him, but I still enjoyed what they did. And I think that's the thing with Attack on Titan. They made a lot of decisions that are very controversial, but I found very interesting um, and still stuck with me, which... I think is what counts as impactful for me. So I would count that as like, I mean, Armin's of course is a non-death, so that doesn't really count. It probably in our discussion, but uh, Erwin's death, I think is the impactful death from that specific situation. Okay. Um, that's fair enough. And since you brought it up, uh, party jams, um, controversy and death, you can't get more controversial and death in Attack on Titan than Sasha's death. Because okay. literally, li uh, I'm just going to say it now, literally anybody who's screaming at Gabby for killing Sasha, you basically got to do the same thing for Erin at the beginning of the series. Because Gabby, from what is portrayed as, she is what Erin was at the beginning of the series. Mm -hmm. Because she was brought up her whole life to believe, like, the people of Parody, they're these devils, they're people that are going to come and kill you and they prove that they come into their homelands and start killing the Stay people the that she fuck out of this one y'all have fun with this conversation <laughs> yeah people that are, people that gabby consider their friends and then when she goes to kill like everyone's attacking her in the series and the fat and the fan base and then you have erin coming out in the same literally the same arc saying like i'm gonna kill the entire world even people that are just like sasha and people are like yeah that's what a true leader is like 
Yeah, Sasha's death, like, got really overblown. Like, she was supposed to die earlier in the story. Yeah, she was supposed to die in that battle with that solo titan, wasn't she? Yeah, I believe so. Like, very early on, like, season two. And so I think people, like, overblew it. And Sasha had more impact on the story in death than in life, honestly. So, yeah, that was just... Overly controversial. Gabby's a great character, frankly. Yeah, but people, people, people um, are still like, "Oh, fuck Gabby!" But I'm like, Gabby did nothing wrong. Yeah, I mean, Gabby did do things wrong, but it was for great writing purposes. <laughs> and then Aaron's like, "I'm gonna wipe out eight percent of the world," and everyone's like, "Okay, that's fine." Aaron's I mean, yeah, I was part of that group, yeah, so or... I'm not gonna pretend to be better. So yeah, that's that's what I wanted to bring up in that in that re- in that regard of just the Attack on Time fan base being um, quite hypocritical, in uh-huh. my opinion. Uh huh. Yeah. Just like uh, it's it's the it's like in I'm gonna point to just a random reference here. It's like in the Simpsons episode where Bart kills that mother bird um, and has the eggs, and Lisa at the end is like. I don't get it, but you got all upset about killing one bird, but now you've killed tens of thousands and it doesn't bother you at all. It's the exact same thing here! Mm. <laughs> A random reference, but it's just it just reminds me of that so much. Yeah. That fandom is such a cesspool. Like, you got my hero at the top, you got... Like, Our author had to apologize publicly yeah. for what he wrote, for writing the story he wanted to write. It, it, oh, like, yeah. It's why sure. Kubo, like, back in the day, like, I, he deleted his social media because he got tired of it. Like, I, Yeah, I, and he got so much backlash because he... I feel like he generally wanted to kill off the arc here in the final arc. And it, imagine the impact that death would have had if fans weren't pieces of shit. I I am praying, I am honestly praying, fingers crossed, that Kubo has the balls to say to the animators, kill off Biakia. Do what I could not. Yeah, do what I could not, like, and see where we go from here, because the Rukia versus Asnot fight could go the exact same way, even if Biakia died. That would be an action. That would be quite interesting. Non-canon, non-canon. If it, it, cause even though Kubo's working on it, he's involved with it. So yeah, um, people call the Eisen and UR extra scene non-canon, but it was written by Kubo. It's come out and confirmed that that was written by Kubo, so it is canon. Um, but yeah, um, the anime. Basically, just ham fists you that Biakia is dying more so in the manga. <laughs> so I am praying that next episode we just get the confirmation Biakia died. I mean, his survival really didn't affect the plot of the manga. No, it didn't. Like, it, 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 it's it, it's one of those moments like. Yeah, he, he lived. Oh well. Uh, and next, like I, I just, I hope that he has the balls to say that. But I, I think he still has that trauma of like, if I do this, they might come for me again. You know. Yeah, fair. Enough. But I feel like, uh, I feel like his, his, I feel like he's 
the reason why I can probably theorize how he's probably not going to have that because people are going to be because we got the extra scene of what happened a thousand years ago at the beginning of the last episode with the original Gote 13. So I feel like he he's probably included that because he might want to kill off Bianca. So he's kind of giving the fans something they always wanted, but at the same time, he's going to be like, okay, I've given them something they wanted. Now I want to do something I always wanted to do. It could be. It could go that way. I I would be okay either way, actually. Like, I I don't care enough either way, you know, but I I just hate when we see fandoms go so toxic that, you know, you see either A, people private their social media, or B, delete it because of that. I'd look no further than the Star Trek fandom for the worst case of any of that. Yeah, I wouldn't like Star when Wars fans put a um, mess. Yeah, put a like figuratively um, like gun towards like the writer's head. It was like, yeah, write this and write that. I was like, at that point, just write something yourself. Like, yep. you do not need to be. Well, we see how successful those are. Those writing. We see how yeah. su- successful those are because the Attack on Titan spinoff fanficy bullshit lasted about two chapters, and they're like, "This is harder than I thought." Yeah, and I always argue that, like, if you think you could do it, so like, I will never criticize a man- uh, a manga or a creative person for doing the series that they want. I mean, I may disagree with them, but at the same time, I won't criticize them and say I could write this better because. Having done it myself, I could say it's not that easy. Right at that point, that's not even like criticism. That's just a personal attack. Right. <laughs> yeah. But so, uh, but here's uh, here's something I wanted to say. Example, because uh, I sent this to you, facts. Examples of bad devs, pretty much um, for me, boils down to when, like, like what we've talked about with Mark, uh, with Bianca, it's like when they make it perfectly clear that this character is on the third step, is going to die, but then they pull a fool Jew. Perfect examples are Bakugo in My Hero and Rey in Promised Neverland. I like, was about to bring up Promised Neverland because now we... I, I mentioned in the, the Discord, like, the, the Beyond chapter came out. It's on the Shonen Jump app. We know what the wishes were that were mentioned in the series because um, they kind of went around and did all the things in that. Um... And obviously, because Emma got amnesia'd, she didn't remember her wish, but she got to yeah. ride her. And she got to ride her giraffe, um, which cute moment. But like, yes, you're right. Like Ray's wish was to visit. Like, actually, let me bring that back up while you talk about Ray's cop out death. Yeah, because uh, I I would have respected the author. Like, and I mean, I love the promise of it. I still love it to this day. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend like I don't love it. But at the same time, there there are things that I don't uh, that I don't agree that I don't agree with, or I feel like could have been done better. Like, um, before I talk about Ray, I might as well just talk about like how I would change it. I would have made it so that Emma not only lost her memories, but from her po- point of view, she could not see her family. Like she could see everyone else, but her family specifically, she would be unable to see unable yeah. to see them. Because so, then it would have been, it would have been like metaphorically, she died. Mm-hmm. So her but, her uh, winning and everything like led to Ray. Since you're talking about Ray, getting to see the Mona Lisa and the Sagrada Familia. Okay. So I guess he's a cultured arts connoisseur now. 
I guess I guess so. Random for me, but okay. And, uh, and he's but, here crying. It's the real thing. But yeah, Norman's um, was even more pathetic. What I, was Norman's again? I wish I can stay with Emma and Ray. You already uh, got your wish. Yeah, the you already got you broke out of the world. Why was yeah. that shoehorned into a bonus chapter? <laughs> um. But yeah, I have to go back and reread the bonus chapter again. Um, but yeah, um, when that chapter uh, first came out and, I, and it just showed Emma just going, Ray, as you just see the exposure, I was like, oh my, they, actu they actually went through and killed off one of the main, main three characters in the series. And then immediately the next week, and I remember doing this because I remember filming the chapter when this came out, way back when Promise Neverline first came out, and I just remember going for like two minutes, non-stop, just no, 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 no. It, it was one of those, like, I'm just over here like, what the fuck happened? Oh, he, he, he lived. Because way back when we reviewed Promise Neverland, like, slowly you could see us getting disenfranchised with it, and I have my yeah. own thoughts about the end of the series you have your own thoughts uh you think isabel's death has weight i disagree i i feel it does because it does kind of come full come full circle for her and kind of gives her the redemption that it, it gives her a little bit of redemption but it's after so many betrayals like but at the same time as well it has impact because emma's not going to remember isabella as well now yeah, it, that's one of those, like, that's the, the sad part, I guess, to Emma living and dealing with all the things that she has to deal with for her, the cost of her choices. But... Yeah, like, uh, Isabella died, and Emma's not going to remember what she died for. Yeah, no, no, also dying, or not going to remember the fact that she literally kind of was going to have her cannibalized by demon alien things, so maybe that's a good one. Uh... <laughs> but yeah and uh and i and i i just i just liked how that had weight for me personally and just finally getting that moment of just isabella and ray actually being a mother and son also let's not forget that the big bad of that series just literally slit his own throat oh yeah he he was an awful like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna deny like um that peter atari was like one of the worst main villains ever Yep. Like, but at the same time, he goes out like a like a badass. It's like, oh, screw you, Emma. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm I not kid going to your... give you the satisfaction of killing me. So I'm going to kill myself here. Yeah, awful film, but has one of the most um, or, has one of the most satisfying deaths. I'm like, okay, good, you're dead, you scumfuck. And oh well, here's the end of the series. Wow, that wrapped up horribly. My bad. Um, but I like that. There, there's so much wrong with that series. And the author, having read through, like, her whole uh, bonus volume on the Shonen Jump app, like, you can see that they can write coherent one-shots and coherent stories. Um, but I don't think that they were ever really meant to be an author of a long-form series like that, unless they plot yeah. everything out ahead of time. Yeah, I, I've said this before. I feel like what they should have done before anything, before anything, is just be like, okay, 
we have an ending for if the series doesn't go well, we at least have an ending that's somewhat satisfying, the escape from Gracefield. But if it does become successful, we have this backup ending that we can read too. Yeah. And then and I mean, fill in between that. Yeah. And I mean, the ending to Promise Neverland, again, like I said, could have worked if it was like Emma loses her memory completely of, uh, of everyone and she loses the ability to see them. And they're just like, you know what? The Emma that the Emma that we knew is dead, but at least we know the M. But at least we know herself. She's alive, yeah. it, she's alive and she can and she can live her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting off topic again. That's kind of the format. <laughs> but... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Karma. But did you have any that you wanted to particularly bring up? All right. Well, I've been waiting for a while to talk about some a series that I would actually want to talk about. So I guess I'm just going to talk about what I wanted to talk about. Right now, I think the best series that handles death well is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm going to be talking about two parts that handle death well. JoJo Part 1, and then JoJo Part 4. The way I see death is more or less, it's got to have a purpose in a story. Whether it's the main goal, or it has to radically signify a change. And, well, in JoJo Part 1, there weren't that many deaths because it was still early in the series. So none of the characters really felt like, well, they mattered much in the grand scheme of things. Other than Speedwagon, who, well, we didn't really get to know much about, his death was mildly impactful. The bigger death was, more or less, Jonathan Joestar. Because in that early time, it was not foreseeable to kill off your own protagonist. But... In the end, it's like, jo- Jonathan did technically win his fight, final battle. So technically, his bond armor ran out at that time, so it was perfectly well executed to kill off Jonathan. Especially when it part 3, where Jonathan's death actually held meaning to give Dio a new body, and let alone a new power, that made him a bigger threat than before. Then in JoJo Part 4, there was something that happened. I want to talk about the two major deaths that happened when Kira was introduced. Or, like, when when Raimi was first introduced to the series, she kind of told everyone about the serial killer. And, well, Rowan kind of blew it off because, well, let's face it. They didn't know whether or not the serial killer was a stand user or not. So it was right for the authorities to take place. And during that time, when they, the serial killer was about, two, we met two stand users. User of Cinderella. I kind of forgot her name. But, uh, Ayasuji, yeah. And Shigechi. Um, who wielded the harvest stand. In the grand scheme of things, it was more or less two in their arcs. It was more or less slice of life with a little bit of action, but their deaths held meaning. I mean, well, their lives actually held meaning because, well, when it comes down to it, when the gang finally encounters Kira, it's Shigechi who's introduced first, and in the previous like arc, we were introduced to how strong Shigechi was at using a stand. So the fact that he died, not only felt a little, well, felt more impact, 
It also showed that the villain was not meant to be trifled with and actually forced the, the heroes to actually take action now that they know that he was strong, that the, their enemy was strong enough to take down someone like Shigechi. Ayasuji, on the other hand, was death was more of a plot device. Which is honestly a lot better than a death that is used just for shock value, because, well, their death held purpose. Aya's ability, more or less, allowed her to change the face of anyone. And after Kira failed to defeat the protagonist the first time, she was useful in, in essentially allowing Kira to recover and lick his wounds. And the reason she's killed off is perfectly logical, because she's the one who only knows his face. Simply put, both deaths served a purpose in some way and moved the story forward, while also providing enough impact to show that there's now a change in the story and that things are going to be different from now on. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about JoJo. It's a series that I consume and enjoy. It does do death really well, but it's not one that I have a lot of thoughts on. Um, that's why Andrew and Red usually carry um, the, the fucking uh, JoJo videos when they film them, if they continue to film them, yada, yada, yada. But I will say, like, those, those do sound like they have been the most impactful. I know JoJo has some of the most batshit insane battles, deaths that go all over the place, canonically, non-canonically, what have you. But that that series is just so fucking batshit. That that's the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know anything about JoJo's, which is why I've been silent this whole time. I actually have been replying to texts that entire time, and I feel unprofessional as hell. And I'm I'm the farthest thing from a professional, anyway. But yeah. Welcome to how I was feeling a majority of the like the time I jumped in. <laughs> yeah, also, I'm, like, like, I'm kind of confused. Uh, like the moment like, I knew was... One Piece was out, I was oh, like, sorry. oh yeah, I had nothing to talk about. Shit. No, I was just like kind of confused. Like, why'd you mention like like Speedwagon? Oh fuck! I keep forgetting. Me, <laughs> Mike, and Zapelli have the same fucking hat. I are dumb. Yeah, it's like Speedwagon just died of old age and a, a heart attack, but he was really, really old when he had it. So. Yeah, I, I kind of miss. I kind of just identified the hat. Okay. Yeah, old man Zapelli. Yeah, when he was killed, that was like. That was a really brutal death. But it's like, it wasn't really that impactful because the shears was kind of short anyway. First part, anyway. Yeah. I'd say it was more impactful for, like, for, you know, to the, like, the main characters, like, his, like, his mentor dying, like, right in front of him. He couldn't do anything about it. That's just par for the course for mentors. Yeah. It's still, it's still, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix, like, type of thing with the writing. It's a, it's a, came a trope for reasons. It's actually good writing. Um, but I'll just leave it at that. 
like, the way I see death is more or less, don't kill off your characters unless you want to signify change, it has a purpose, or you're at the end of the series. Because if it's not the final battle, yeah, some casualties are expected. Oh, uh, but so yeah. if it's at the end of the series, you also can have, like, examples of Neji dying in the fucking uh, the war arc. Where it's like, oh, who could have impact, but uh, I don't want to pick a character. Poof! And just toss a dart at the board. You know? Like, yes, it, it mattered because of the whole brotherly you know, rivalry between Neji and Naruto. And the, the fact that, like, well, he's been banging his sister for probably the last year and a half behind closed doors. But at the same time, like... Really, that's the one death in an entire war arc where you expect countless deaths and countless, oh. you know, fucking injuries. You have a whole healing squad out there, you know, tending to wounds, but you got one that you can't revive. Oh, don't even get me started on, on war wars because I'm going to go back to my hero. Um, uh, the only casualty that had somewhat weight was off screen, and that was Midnight. How about twice? Twi um, twice, um, I guess, but I'm talking about more on the hero side. Yeah. Like, like Gran Torino, by all accounts, he should have died. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, he, got pummeled, he got pummeled into the ground, but also as well, like, again, going back to the uh, fake outs as well, uh, recently in the manga, Bakugo. Like, we've had Bakugo cool fake like, out. I think the biggest parts of, like, the war arc was that while there weren't a lot of deaths, there was actually a lot of characters that quit. Well, that, again, that's another issue I have with the war arc. Uh, the characters that quit, um, they, weren't, uh, they weren't any significant characters in my eyes. Like, um, what, what's the, what's the, Carla, what's the name of the, um, character in Class 1B that's always looking down on Class 1A? Manoma? Yeah, like, if it came, um, if it came down to him talking to Uraha, uh, uh, um, uh, in that scene where that one hero is quick, if it was him saying, like, is this what it's really like? And she goes, yes, and he, he takes a step by it's like, maybe I'm not for this, um, lifestyle. That would have at least been impactful because it would have um, it would have gave his character some sort of like redemption of like going from this guy who's always smug, uh, cocky, arrogant, thinking he's the best, to actually realizing the Im impact of war and just be like, I can't do this. You really won't let that go, will you? I mean, he's playing a big role in the current fight. Just in Shigaraki. Uh, yeah. I just kind of want to point just a rant on something, so let's just move on. Okay, but yeah, Bakugo just having the fake out death in the um in the final arc is just like, really, we're doing this again. I'll be so fucking glad when my hero's over. Yeah. I'll be so fucking glad. Uh, I. And the fact that, like, when the manga's over, I'm still going to have to hear about this dog shit series for another three <laughs> years while the fucking anime wraps up. But, yeah, Ugh. that's really all the um, topics on my end that I wanted to talk about. 
Uh, oh, no, no, there was one more. I can't believe I forgot about... I can't believe I honestly forgot about this as one of, my, as one of the best devs. And Party Jams, I, I know it's taken so long to get to this. Considering it's my favourite series, you know which one I'm going for. Biakia in Doctor Stone. Yeah, I was going to bring that up if you didn't. Yeah, I, I was like, I had it on standby there. I was just like, how can I have not brought that up which already? Death? Which death? Uh, no, Biakia's no, death. But like, Biarchia's, which version? The, no, the actual death that was not not the death in Doctor Stone reboot Biakia, but the actual death that we see in the flashback in okay. the series. I still like the reboot version better. I, I still do. Like it, it made so much sense in the scientific and the sci-fi version of that universe. But I get why they want to ground it more in the manga. But that, yeah, that that reboot manga has such cool shit in it. But yeah, manga? yeah, it really does. Uh, Doctor Stone reboot Biakia. Oh, it's it's, it's like a nine it's, chapter side. It's yeah. uh, it's it's um a nine nine chapter manga that was written by the um artist of dr stone with input from um inagaki and kind of like um, he does the ace stuff for one piece yeah but yeah biarki biarki's death um i i just love and it's like i it was actually the um uh sean Oji shout out to him when he did his top five dr stone moments that was actually number one the biarki flashback uh because he basically summed it up as well as a, as well as it could ever be summed up, that Biakia just had such a, uh, despite not being in the main series, uh, like in the present storyline, just his impact and his influence on, um, on not just Senku but everyone in the series, considering that all his ancestors, uh, that all his descendants, um, and it allowed senku it allowed us to see a different side to senku because one of because senku for the longest time in that series was just like the stoic character not really showing it not really showing emotion um um uh, going from that to actually realizing that his dad has been dead for 3700 years and he never even got a chance to say goodbye i feel like that's what just gives the biggest gun punch to his death is that Senku never got a chance to say goodbye. And to add on to what Luke is saying, um, I, the thing with Biakia's death is also the fact that this is a character whose impact in the story is like been present throughout, not only just because of how Senku ended up becoming the person he is because of his father's support, but also Ishigami's village's existence is largely thanks to uh, Byakuya's actions, and that's kind of expanded a little more in the uh, reboot uh, version of the story as well. So Byakuya is an interesting character death, and I wasn't even sure if it fully counted in our discussion because he, you know, technically was sort of dead by the time the story really gets started. I feel but, like uh, yeah, uh, just start on, I feel like it does count because we did see the death. Yeah, and I There's guess that's fair then. There's a ridiculous amount of time between Senku and, like, Yakuya. Like, a long time. Yeah, but, like I said, that's what makes it so impactful. Like, again, Senku never got a chance to say goodbye. I do want to add one other thing, though, since we're bringing this up. Um, and that has to do with, like, the final chapter, which I'm assuming we all read, but 
Whatever. Spoiler warnings for anyone. I haven't read. I'm out. Oh. I'm out. I had the bell. Okay, okay no, I won't say anything then. Don't say anything. Fine, but I'm going to say I'm a little worried that, that death may not have the impact it did based on what happens near the end of the last chapter. Not counting the epilogue chapter, but like the last chapter before it dep- that. It depends if they want to do like a what sort of sort of sequel but not a not not a week to week more like a uh, more like a when they feel like um sort of thing yeah so i guess i'll just leave it alone but it's yeah. it's one of those things where i'm glad the series ended where it did because if it didn't that death may not be on our list of good deaths it may be on our list of bad deaths yeah probably <laughs> but um another another um Another example of sort of good death, even though it's not, is Sukasa's death. It's Sukasa's first death. Yeah, that. Like, uh, yeah, it's actually an interesting one to talk yeah, about. Yeah, because um, technically he does die because uh, uh, Senku has to kill him in order to preserve him for later. So technically, yes, Sukasa does die. I mean, technically, in many ways, Senku also died. <laughs> when uh, Sukasa went after him. Oh yeah, and, definitely. So it's it's so interesting because like it the idea of fake out death in general like really annoyed me to a large extent because it's almost just like playing with your emotions. Like, yeah. oh look at this character, like basically you said with Bakugo, he's gonna die. But then he's like, nope, they're not dead. It's fine. But yeah. in Doctor Stone it was for the first time there was like here's a fake out death, but there's plot significance to yeah. this end. Very yeah. large consequences. And um, just, to just to quickly, just to quickly say on that before we continue, is that um, the reason why I I don't mind them in Dot Stone is because they're not instantaneous. Like in South America, the characters they all died and they were dead for like seven years. Yeah, practically. Yeah, so that's why I don't mi- don't mind it as much because it wasn't like just an instantaneous. Oh, we're all better. We can get back up after it happened. True, and there was also that like lingering question because you and I we were doing uh, like discussions during that time period, and at that time we were debating: okay, which characters are actually going to survive? Like, what well, what stage is death actually death? It was quite a tense time to be a Doctor Stone fan. Yeah, like we've. Uh, if here's the thing: if Hyoga had died, it had had died in South America. I uh, I think a lot of people would have would have been satisfied with that. Yeah, like all of a sudden, there's limits to how long things can be dead and what qualifies as death, and our characters would need to figure out those rules quickly in order to uh, survive. So that would have been cool. Um, but I did want to bring up my own topics once we're done with this though so let me know if there's anything more dr stone uh no that's that's all I to be like just how powerful biaki's death is and it is actually one of my favorite deaths in any anime or manga same for me all right um uh, we are hitting two hours and ten minutes so last one for everybody <laughs> to bring up because I feel like the most prevalent genre in anime is the isekai genre where the way most deaths are treated are okay the character dies but then they're reborn and their life is awesome and that's where we get truck coon memes from however there is one series I think that's like worth talking about um, specifically for uh, how death can be used 
Um, whether it's good or not is actually something we can discuss, but how it's used as a plot device is interesting to me, and that is a ReZero, which I am assuming most of us have seen. I have not seen ReZero. But I mostly watch Isekai Quartet, but I know the premise. Yeah, I was going to say, I know the general premise of ReZero. Like, um, Subaru constantly is always dying and being revived. Yep. Okay. I guess I'll talk about it a little then. So, for those who don't know, basically the premise goes like this. Uh, Subaru, he... Uh, most isekai character dies in the real world, vibes in the fantasy world, and then get, becomes OP and learns all the rules. The three zero is kind of uh, yeah. And then with three zero, what they do is they have a character whose like ability is effectively dying, but then coming back to reset point, basically like a video game. Subaru kind of gets like a random save point. He doesn't set himself, but that the universe just sets for him. And there's certain limitations on his ability, like he can't tell anyone about it and a couple other rules that come up as we go along. But the idea is that we keep seeing our character die and going through several time loops in order to figure out how to get out of his current deadly situation and move on to the next thing and then grow as a character because of it. So I have my own issues with ReZero as a whole, but I think what's interesting in the context of our current discussion is that death is usually like what impact does this leave for the characters afterwards or how does the lack of death uh, take away from the story? But with 3.0, it's more like how can a story move a character and its narrative forward using death? And I think with 3.0, it's interesting because sometimes Subaru takes these lessons to heart and then we, the viewers, are also trying to piece the puzzle of what's going on and how he's dying and how he can avoid it. But at the same time... I think the um, other side of the coin is, number one, um, Glass Reflections is a good point with this, is like Subaru is almost selectively intelligent with when he wants to actually get serious about his time loop situation. And then also, he could probably solve a lot more problems if he was more uh, lackluster about like, oh, how often he can die. Because as soon as he realizes he's messed up, he could probably just reset immediately because there aren't too many limitations on that as far as we knew early on apparently later there's other stuff according to uh source readers but uh, i yeah i want to bring ReZero up as i don't necessarily know a good or bad but an interesting case of how death is used especially in the isekai subgenre oh, yeah. isekai is one of those uh, like it can be either done really well you can end up with like Subaru, for example, where it's like the super interesting concept, or you can end up with one of these, you know, you die here, you die forever, and it could be this horrific, you're getting ganked by like 18 PKers, you know. Or you can end up, you know, becoming a vending machine, like I said, which is one of the most bizarre fucking cases of like being reincarnated into this, and it's... I, I haven't read the series, I just... I, I honestly thought it was a meme, but it's a legitimate series that is published. I could not believe that that was a thing. Because it was published doesn't mean it was any less of a meme. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I mean, you also have like Spider-Coon and Slime-Coon and all this shit going on in the Isekai genre. That genre needs to slow down, is what I'm getting at. Like, there are too many fucking Isekais out there, and just because there's... It it will eventually. It's just like what Met Game like when it came like really popular oh, yeah. again. The same thing happened. You had like SSS Diazamon, and then you had over here like Yadirica Seven, and you had you know shit like fucking Iron Blooded Orphans, all airing like similarish times. But 
Yeah, like, the last one for me, just to get mine out of the way, because I gotta start responding to Red to figure out what time we're gonna be recording, uh, while you guys start wrapping up your last ones, um, I, I know it's not particularly game-oriented, but it's something that has been one of the most influential, you know, it's not anime-related, but it's, like, a game, and it's one of the most influential deaths in all of gaming history, and it's in this interesting spot right now. If you're an RPG fan, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Because the the remake is doing such unique things with the um, story itself, right? And that's Aerith's death in Final Fantasy VII. If you think to the remake right now and how they're handling everything... Um, where you are experiencing in part two, for example, what we've been shown is like you're also experiencing story points from Sephiroth's perspective. So I I think now like Aerith's death might not be so far from the meme that was going around a few years ago, where like you can pay nine ninety nine and Aerith stays in your party. Um, I don't think they'll go that route, but I do think that they'll go around the route of like. You'll be the one to kill Aerith in the remake at this point. If you're actually playing from the perspective of Sephiroth. And that's a whole other emotional damage moment for players like me who had to go through that moment as a kid. Where you're sitting there not realizing your first playthrough that you shouldn't be really wasting your time leveling this character up because she's just going to die. <clears throat> and I have a habit of liking mages in RPGs and losing your mage is detrimental to your party. So it was a unique play perspective for that because you really didn't really have a lot of buffs unless you knew where to grind. And for most people, that was one of their first RPGs from our generation. Anyway, our collective generation here, uh, and like that, that moment of like her getting stabbed through the chest from above, like that sits with me to this day. And I, the more I'm diving into, cause I've been replaying the remake on PC and preparing for crisis core, which again, that's another whole, like Zach's death is like, your memory is saved in the cloud moment. Haha. <laughs> Funny meme. Um, that there is of his own perspective but like final fantasy 7 had some of the most gut-wrenching throughout like all of its story points moments in rpg history and the thing that i'm really loving about no more as a writer the more and more i go through my life is like no matter how fucking acid trippy his stories are because he's been helping uh with the production of the seven remake and arguably derailing his own franchise in kingdom hearts and putting it back on the rails and they're just saying fuck it this this train has no rails anymore we're gonna have 17 mobile games we're gonna have 35 you know storybooks over there and um now Sora lives inside a fucking quadratum and it, it's is he alive is he not alive moment he knows how to make shit impactful and with Aerith potentially you know living inside the i think it's going to also kind of if if they go the the live route in the reboot or the remake like it's going to lessen that blow 
But if you're the one that's pulling the knife, you know, it's going to be so much worse. And that's where I'm, like, torn. Like, I want my hands on Square Enix. Hit me up. I have zero clout. But hit me up. Let me play that shit early. I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> Let me use my, my shitty channel. <laughs> Let me play this game. But no, like. I, I fucking, I, that is like the most impactful thing in like gaming death to me because that fucking still hurts. That, that still stings. I, I don't know if you guys feel that way, but it's just one, as I've been replaying the remake, like I am like, I know like if you go the traditional route, you're going to die. If you go this way, you're going to be the one killing. If we go that, well, I still feel something, you know? Will I still feel anything if she lives in the reboot, you know? So I, I'm just, I'm conflicted, but it's still one of those moments that, like, it still hurts. It still fucking hurts. Um, but yeah, like, uh, anybody have thoughts on that or the next one while I figure out when we're filming Chainsaw Man? <laughs> Well, I actually had a question. Um, I actually just got gifted the remake recently. Should I play the original before playing this one? Because originally I thought the remake is, you know, like remake, so I good. But now I've been hearing that it's like takes the story in a different direction. So okay, quick thoughts on that. Um, I would I would play the original, if only for experiencing the story as it was originally written. The first remake chapter let's call it does little diversions and expands the story uh if you watched advent children the cg movie from like 2003 um it's available everywhere at this point i've i own it on 4k even for god's sakes i've bought that as many times as i bought kingdom hearts but <clears throat> it ties little bits and pieces of that into it you get little um Little bits and pieces of characters that you'll think mean nothing mean a whole lot more in the remake now. Because um, for the first mission, you have a companion that kind of just fucks off and then you go on your journey. Uh, you get to, like, do more with her. You get to do more with her squad in it. Uh, and then you have, like life sim bits and pieces put into where you can you know form companionships with your parties as you go down through i don't want to spoil like what those are since you haven't played it but you get to experience like more like with barrett tifa and Aerith, depending on like what missions you do and how you handle them and what their outcomes are it's really in depth and that's why i'm going through it a third time because i played it once on ps4 I played it once on PC, and now I'm going through for, like, the third to see, like, that special cutscene. Um, and it's really cool, like, what they've done with that. But I still think, like, overall, it, for the full experience, play through the original. I, I'm going to get chastised in the comments, but there's no reason to go out and try and fight the super bosses. There's really not. Oh, I don't do that in most RPGs, honestly. <laughs> they're just too much of a pain. They're not uh, horrific, but I I would say go play the original, um, and then go and play the remake. You can beat the remake's first version in like twenty five hours. It's not overly long, I... which is really nice for adults. <laughs> 
But you can also, if you want to, soak 80 hours up in it easily. And the original, I, I, you can sink 120, 140 hours into it if you do everything. It's fucking ludicrously long. Uh, but yeah. In that case, I'll play the original first then. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's not get to comma Luke. You guys got anything? Nope. I kind of lost track of what I was. off of mine. Yeah. Uh, um, I really want to just bring up one particular death in um in another since we did since we did Pokemon and Digimon, I might as well complete the holy trilogy of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. And and more specifically, Yu-Gi-Oh Five Ds with Kiru, like Kiru's death. I figured you would bring it up eventually is why I left it out. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, that, that, that is just like one of the best Yu-Gi-Oh stories ever. Just that whole story of Kiru and his rise and fall and then rise and fall again until he finally finds completion in his life. But at the same time, his death is like one of the most brutal in the series. Like, I would say um, Grigor is kind of brutal because he gets literally hanged to become a dark signer yeah. but, at the same but at the same time kiru i just feel like um because they of just how from the dub didn't they yeah they did they did they just basically they just literally had him hanging there for no reason no explanation given just like yeah um but kiru's death um was just like just so impactful because you got to understand the relationship he had with um, Crow, you say, and Jack, um, and how much he, um, how he started off as wanting to, like, just make um, Satellite a better place, but at the same time, the more power he got, it inevitably happened, the more corrupt he got, and it led to him, um, basically, uh, we don't know if it actually happened, but it pretty much implied that he killed that cop. And the penalty for killing a cop is obviously death, you know. Um, yeah, um, but also, but it, it was death in the, in the most Yu-Gi-Oh way as possible. They took away his deck, the one thing that mattered the most to him, to the point that he literally starved himself to death in his prison cell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and it's crazy because he's the, I think the, uh, one of the first villains that pretty much was gonna win and gonna straight up kill the main character yeah no it, it's insane like that if you want Yu-Gi-Oh dark 5ds is definitely the choice there yeah like just all the dark signers uh, all the dark signers like deaths as well like um you got uh kiru um basically dying from starvation you've got griger being hanged you've got um Car carly basically um being blasted out of the window by a cult leader <laughs> And yeah, you've got cults in our American television. The only cult we have here is religion. Yeah, and you got um, what was uh, Misty um, basically committed suicide because she thought her brother was killed um, by um, Akiza, only to realize that no, her brother wasn't killed by Akiza. He was tortured to death. I mean, yeah, that anime really went off the handles in the best way possible. Yeah. Like... I thought the the fucking like season three where you're in the the dark realm with the Ubel stuff was dark Yu Gi Oh, but when you get to five oh, Ds, like yeah, when you get to five Ds, and like I'd not even get into account of just one of the most tragic backstories I think five Ds is uh, not Yu Gi Oh's ever had the backstory of Aporia. Yeah, 
I think we touched about that on our dark backstories. We did, we did, but it's just like, uh, just that backstory is just like death, death, and more death. No, like that fucking that anime was insane. I I need to go through and watch Arc Five and um, the last season of Zaxel. I still need to watch Arc Five and then V Reigns. Yeah, I, I still try, need to do that as well. I need to try and stomach the chibi art style of Sevens, too. I, it just... Yep, same. <laughs> so, I, I feel like we should... I feel like that should be something that we all do together. You know what? Not a bad idea. Yeah, like, go through every Yu-Gi-Oh! ever. We're, we're, we're starting with Season Zero. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm in for it. I'm for so, it. So... Can we do that instead of Naruto? <laughs> we'll do that before Naruto. Okay. Between the shittier seasons of fucking Power Rangers to, uh, okay, palette cleanser with Yu-Gi-Oh! And then we'll go into the, I'm ripping my hair out of my head, Naruto. Okay. And by the so, time yeah. we're done with that, One Piece might be over. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that's Might. generally what I wanted to bring up, just the deaths in 5Ds and just how and just how brutal, but also how amazing they were, uh, how amazing they were and how each of them connected to the characters. If we to, ever do... Like, the to the characters that they were, that they were actually facing in, in the Dark Sinus arc. I mean, if we were ever to do the death of the studio, I just looked down at my PC because it started making weird noises. I saw that my Kirito figure fell over. I need to open my case up and pick that up. But uh, um, I remember how crew managed to survive that weird cloud thing by going into a toilet. God. Uh, I, I, I think we should talk about Gynex and the fact that uh, we are actually getting another season of Hanny and Stocking now. Uh, with like the fucking craziest bit of it but that's a video for another time uh at two hours and 30 minutes basically and uh a pestering notification that like i'm charging my laptop be ready in 10 minutes from red so <laughs> uh so season one is over let's see you at, for season two at the end of the month of december Stay safe over the holidays. Don't don't do anything stupid, and uh, see you here in basically thirty days. Peace. Peace. Peace.